Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plans. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, church planner, this is Peyton Jones. Welcome back to Hardcore Church Planning. My guest today is a friend, a colleague, for you, a man of mystery. Um, for me, I know who it is, my show. Of course I know that. My guest today is a guy who's kind of a legend in the coaching world. Uh, his name is Dino Sinisi. I said it right, right? Nope. Sinesi. Nope. Seen easy. <laughs> now, if I ever change Sinesi. it, I'm changing it, to, I'm changing it to that right there. What you just said, I'm changing it to seen easy because that seen just feels easy. like a guy. You want to you hang out with that guy. Sinesi? Sinesi. Sine- you know, th- I was literally going there next. Except that nah. I would have done that. I think I was going to do the Sinesi because I mess about a lot. So all this time, I've been calling you Dino Sinesi. Literally. And it's Sinesi. Yeah. Oh. Well, if you, ha- if you have a name like Sinesi, you learn as a young man not to be freaking out over the way people say Sinesi. Hey, we got enough problems, man. We're bald and short. Like that's we can't right. be, that's right. we can't be sweating our names. I get pressed in Peter, um, you name it. So <laughs> I'm with you. Clayton. How do people hear Clayton out of Peyton? I, well, I, I've never figured that one out. Anyways, uh, Dino is on the team with me on, uh, we're actually on the planter care team. Dino heads the coaching side for church planners nationwide for the SIND network for the North American mission board. I'm on the training team, but we get to hang out, which is pretty cool because I like Dino and, uh, Dino, you like me, right? Like, I think you like me. You, you kind of like, we hang out with me sometime. I, I I do I do like you. And okay. I would also add in I like your haircut. Uh, ball guys, you know, the, there there's two two types of ball guys. Ball guys with a sense of humor, and ball guys who go to prison. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, you know, I I nearly was the other one, 
And then I came to faith. So that was good. Yeah. I wouldn't have been the first of my family. But, gotcha. uh, hey, look, uh, I wanted to have you on here because, uh, I have learned a ton from you. In fact, I, I would say that I was really, uh, for a number of years, a, a mentor to church planners. And it was really about the time that I met you shortly beforehand. Guys were saying, well, I'm not a mentor. I'm a coach. And, and I, I remember kind of, you know how like when people say stuff, and you don't really know what they're talking about, you know, like, but you go, oh, oh, yeah, 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 whatnot, baby. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you don't want to admit, like, I don't really know the difference between coaching and mentoring. I don't want to be that guy, you know, like everyone rolls their eyes and goes, come on, Peyton, get with the program, man. We're into coaching now. But you have really taught me a ton. Once, once I kind of figured out what it was and listened to you and learned a little bit from you, I actually got a coach. So, you know, really, I did. Well, I, I think he was your coach. I think he was your, your mentor or trainer, uh, Bob Logan. Yeah, he was, he was kind of everything, but he was my first coach and, and he was a, a real coach. He was not my mentor at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's, he's a, a sensational guy and I've, I'm, so now I have people practice coaching on me. Not that Bob needs to practice, but, um, I wanted just to give my, uh, listeners, just a little taste of who you are. So we always like to start with how'd you come to faith and how'd you get involved in church planning? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, so I have to get brief time with my dad. Uh, uh, my, my dad was, was not a believer. My mother was taking me to church. I saw that very clearly early and I love my dad. Uh, but, a, but, a, but a pastor built relationships with him, uh, with him back in the sixties before it was cool to build relationships before you win people to Christ. <laughs> and, uh, so and, and drank coffee with him at his restaurant and and shared Christ with him and he came to Jesus. I did see that, but what that did for me more than anything is that uh, put my mother and father uh, on the same page with, with Jesus. And so they had us in church uh, as as children uh, and uh, uh, a faithful teacher in my children's class said, uh, "You know, you guys need Jesus." Essentially, uh, long story short, and. Uh, if you think that that's something that, that you, you want, uh, then would you stay and talk to me? And she, and I stayed and talked to her and it, it was incredible. It was, it, it was incredible to me at that point with, with that small childlike faith that I, I, I received Christ at that point and, uh, and was, has followed him since, uh, like anybody's journey. Uh, there's good times and bad times in the early days, especially as a teenager, things I'm, a, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done, but, uh, uh, God's been faithful up to this point, and and I'm as amazed by the grace of God when He saves a seven year old as when He saves a seventy year old. It's amazing to me. Yeah, I agree, man, one hundred percent. I like what Corey Timboom said. She said she shared her testimony. She'd say, "I was saved at four, and no, Jesus did not tell me I was too young." So you know <laughs> that that said it all for me. But yeah. you know, um, you know that that is so rad. So you, I did not. I I think you did tell me, and I I forget stuff a lot, but. How cool is that, man? Like your dad, like had a coffee shop. Like that's full on Italian. That must have been good stuff. I'm, I'm, oh, it was, I'm it, wanting it was coffee an, right now. It was an Italian restaurant, but everybody, everybody drank coffee at the restaurant because they hung out. And plus, it was East Tennessee, and they had never heard of Italian food, so he had okay. to have co- coffee and American food. Well, yeah. because my next question was, whoa, 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 your dad, like restaurant people coming to drink coffee. That sounds like the mafia to me, and I know we're not supposed to talk about that, but. I'm just saying, if you're in East Tennessee, you were probably okay. You're a little removed from that, right? 
<laughs> right, right. But 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 he was brilliant. My, 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 his name and my name were the same. I was junior. So I was a walking brand because his restaurant was Dino. So every place I went, <laughs> I was free advertisement. Uh, my nickname in high school was Pizza Pie. Are you serious? Yep. That's a yep. rad. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, just between you and me now, when I see you, that'll be a thing. So that's uh, we, we, when we're wherever we end up, uh, we meet each other in weird spots. So, um, yeah. So here's the thing, man. Um, how did you get involved in church playing? Cause I want to talk about your book, which I'll just float the title right now. It's, it's, it's dynamite. It's called Sending Well, a field guide to great church planner coaching. And what's rad about that is you were, you train people all over the country how to coach church planners. And we know mm-hmm. that church planners that have been assessed uh, trained and coached have an 85% success rate as opposed to ones who aren't has mm-hmm. have a 70% failure rate. So that's mm-hmm. huge right there. So um, tell us a little bit, how did you get involved in church planning? And then we'll dive well, into the book a bit. Well, and I, I did, I didn't come through the door that most people do. And that is that uh, when I was in new Orleans as a pastor back in uh, the uh, late eighties, uh, we were in a, very diverse urban area. And so we got involved in church planting. Our church was more of traditional structure, uh, 20 minutes from the Superdome across the river, but uh, traditional structure. So what happened was that church church planting became a way that we could address the diversity of where we were much, much more quickly. Uh, and so that's what we did. So I became a friend, uh, a, a mentor as it came to uh, pastoral skills and things like that that I actually could could offer, and a cheerleader when it came to planting, and and uh, and that just became my niche. Uh, I, I've I've been a, on the support team since then, uh, and so that evolved for me. For those we were involved with ten ten different churches over twelve years, uh, uh, and hands on, and a very diverse group of churches, and then that evolved to uh, me helping from a denominational level, helping mm-hmm. churches, creating support teams, creating sending churches, uh, helping planters network, uh, and p- providing the needs for planters from the support role. That moved to Cincinnati. Uh, and I started learning a little bit more about systems in Cincinnati uh, because I didn't, this was a very organic thing to me. You know, it was a very, very, it was just what we did to, to reach people for Jesus where we were. And and so uh, so that became more intentional. I got connected with Steve Shogren. We reconnected recently, and uh, he yeah. was uh, the I've he was the co- yeah he's the coach of he's on he's on your coast now. He used to be in Cincinnati and used to be in Tampa. And, yeah, and so, he over uh, at uh, Rick Warren's now. Uh, you know, I don't know ex- exactly what he's doing yeah. as far. I know he's doing his has his own ministry, so I don't. Yeah. Know, I don't think he's connected with with okay. Rick at this point. So, uh, so, 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 so here's just the to, thing, man. Like you're yeah. you're talking about how you know you were kind of like a, a cheerleader for him and all that, and you know I don't think it matters really to be honest. Like especially when you learn what coaching is as well, but I don't think it necessarily matters. Like I would. Anyone who is a cheerleader or encouragement or a support, I don't think I would care if they're a church planner or not. And in fact, many of the people that have been supports to me over the years have not been church planners. They've just been people that saw my mission, understood who I was and what I was called to do, and rallied around me and were there for me when I needed it. 
Well, I, and I think you hit on the commonality. I do think that there are some prerequisites, you would say, for, for a supporter or a cheerleader to make them more effective. So they, they've, got, they've got to buy into God's mission and evangelism, whatever the delivery is, whether it's a church plant. And that's what was attractive to me about church planting is it helped us be more effective to reach diverse, diverse people in, in, I'm sorry, in New Orleans uh, with the gospel. So there has to be a common heart although maybe there's not a common experience. So I'm in a three-year-old church right now in, in, uh, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and, and, uh, and I've been engaged on different levels and even led uh, for short periods of time. But I don't, my, when I look in the mirror, I don't see church planter. Yeah. So that's not, that's not, my, that's not my identity. Uh, but I well, love I church you. planters. Yeah. yeah well, so. and I think I think that you know really there's that idea that it's a mentor. You have experience in ministry, um, so that that's always important. You know, I, uh, I I've shared this on the podcast before, but um, my wife and I have been in marriage counseling for 22 years. We've been married coming up on 21 next month, but for a year before our elders. I was I was the interim pastor of a mega church uh, as a very young man, twenty two years mm-hmm. old, just getting ready to get married, and they said, "Hey, uh, you can't afford to jack this up, so you we're as an elder board, we're requiring that you go get marriage." And you know, we just never stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hit the the skids like everyone else. We hit our rough times and our good times, but over the years, man, that has been extremely valuable to be able to talk stuff through. Now I know coaching uh has a particular uh aim. Tell t- tell my listeners what is the difference between mentoring and coaching? What what does a coach do for a church yeah. planner? So 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 a mentor is is critical in the life of a church planter, a pastor, or any other leader. Uh, I've had a mentor in my life, Peyton, for about 35 years. Same guy. And uh, and it's a different kind of relationship. A, a mentor tends to be more of a long term relationship than a coach. Sometimes a mentor is someone who pours in uh, and they are like we compare in our training. We compare a mentor to a to a personal trainer. A personal trainer says, if you if you eat what I eat, if you work out like I work out, uh, watch me and uh, uh, and you'll learn uh, everything you need to know. And, and that's that's might be a little bit overstated, but I state it to make a point. Uh, a mentor is pouring into me and I need those type of relationships. A coach is different. A coach is like an Uber driver or a taxi driver. He is someone who's going to walk beside me to help me get where I need to go. Uh, he's a vehicle. And uh, in fact, the original word coach, before we made it athletic, the original word coach ties into a stagecoach or a mode of travel to help me get from one place to another. Uh, so uh, we, we use Barnabas uh, Peyton in scripture as kind of that walk beside example right. is, is his generous heart, a good man full of the Holy spirit and faith and an encourager. So when you're, when you're nicknamed son of encouragement, you've had an effect on a lot of people right? Uh, right. versus pizza pie, which I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's it. Well, it's interesting because he's called, you know, he's mentioned at one point he's called an apostle because he was sent out. Um, mm-hmm. Same Greek word. But it also says in Acts 13 that he was a prophet. You know, it says they met with prophets and teachers. And I always find this interesting that that prophetic type ministry 
um, really, you know, we do this in the training where we do the encouragement exercise. In fact, we mm-hmm. just did a whole podcast where I, I talked about encouragement. I really dipped into this. But um, one of the things that we do is really we become almost like a prophetic voice when we encourage people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty powerful. So um, as as church planners listening to this are going, man, that sounds good. Like, I need that. And, of course, you and I know you know, that how badly they need it, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, a lot of planners are out there. They don't, they don't have a mentor. They don't have a coach. They don't have mm-hmm. a counselor, uh, like what I described. They don't mm-hmm. have, uh, maybe even a sending pastor. If they look at this and go, you know, I really need to pick a, a, a coach out. Well, g- give us kind of a field guide. Cause one of, one of the things that the book really does is it tells from the opposite side, how they can pick a coach, but what is what is a way that these guys can can identify who would make a good coach? Well, I, I do think there's a profile, Peyton, and I, and I think that everybody in the body of Christ shouldn't be coaches because then all we get is questions and nobody nobody answers them. You know, all we get is listening and, and no, nobody's talking. So I don't I don't think it's everybody's role. But when you when you look for a coach, look for someone who who's relational in nature. Uh, we, we believe a coach is a shepherd. He's a shepherd of the soul. Uh, he's, but he's someone who is, you see characteristics that he's, that he's patient and he doesn't have to dominate the conversation. Uh, he, his point of view is not the most important thing in the room. I remember when I was younger, that's, younger that's why I'm a bad coach, Dino. That's why well, no one picks Peyton for a coach. <laughs> well, and, and, but you know, I think Peyton, you're, you're a good example of this. See, we're not myopic coach guys. We don't, we don't think coaching is the most excellent way. We think coaching is a voice that every planter needs in his life because it's an asking voice and it is complementary to every single other voice that's in his life. We do this exercise in our training too. I don't know if you've seen it. You may have seen this orientation, but where that we have people role play the multiple voices in a planter's life. We start with brainstorm. How many uh, name some voices that are speaking into your life? And they'll say everything from my wife to my this to my that to this and 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 they'll Netflix. they'll have yeah Netflix yeah the media <laughs> well sure yeah, media Stranger absolutely too. yeah yes th- there you go and so so you know these voices and and so we we have people to sign these voices we say now speak into his life mm. and and speak in at the same time and and to us that illustrates the drama of just how many voices are coming at the average church planter so how redundant would it be even with the sin network to say now we've got trainers, we've got Peyton Jones, we've got, uh, and we're training trainers who's going to lead planters through processes, doing some teaching, but a, a lot of coaching through your process too, because I'm familiar with it. But uh, a teaching, a uh, content, uh, a lot of times they have other other relationships. So how redundant would it be to say now we're going to get Senesi over here and he's going to train another voice to tell a planter what to do? It's like that's it's ridiculous. It's overkill. So the right. coach is the asking voice. He has a specific lane and a specific role. He is most effective when he stays in his lane, even in my growth as a coach. Uh, and, and I think that it's it's no accident that God took my profile and said, you're the encourager. So we're going to give you a platform. And that's just his grace. If you'd ask me in 2002, say, hey, hey, you you uh, you need a coach? I go, what's a coach? <laughs> I don't know what a coach is. But right. then well, I reached out to Bob Logan because he was a church planting expert and I wasn't. 
And I signed a, an agreement and it said executive coach. And I said, that means he's going to tell me how to do this. But I didn't read the fine print. It's kind of like the website where you check the box. I read and understand and I've agreed to all this. And then some dude in a black hood shows up at your house and said, OK, dude, you agree to this. You know, now I'm taking all your <laughs> taking all your family you know, away from you or something. You know, I check the boxes. I don't read the boxes. I check the boxes and I sign. And that's what I did. And and I, then something revolutionary happened that there was really uh, from God. It, God changed the trajectory of my ministry by Bob staying in his lane and being my coach. I learned early in my coaching days. There were times where I would like change lanes, you know, if I thought I had some input when I called myself a coach. And I realized that my effectiveness of helping the planter or the leader, because I've coached a lot of leaders, uh, I noticed that my effectiveness went downhill. I wasn't as focused on really what I was there to do. So when I fell out of love with my own advice, I think my coaching proficiencies really, really went up uh, and I became more valuable. That right there, falling out of out of love with your own advice, I think that's a painful process. I think I'm actually getting there because I'm realizing in certain situations where I'm talking to church planners, um, I'm sometimes at a loss of, you know, I'm not you, I'm not living, you know, I'm not living in your context. So um, how can coaching bring something? What what does it do for the uh, the church planner that mentoring doesn't? Well, what it does is it gives the planter a space to reflect and to think, which is really at a at a premium for not only planters, but m- most leaders that are over capacity. You, you, you're reacting around the clock and you're also in a panic. So you become an advice addict. So you, you go to a guy and you say, fix me. It's kind of like what I what drew me to Bob, which I thought he was going to do. Fix me. Help me fix this. Give me a quick answer. And so. What a coach does is gives you sacred space to process. A great coach is going to get out of the way and give you a, give you a disciplined time where you can process out loud and hear God and actually decide between all the options that you have in a certain context. Mm, that's so valuable, man. So I love the idea that really, in a way, it's kind of drawing out maybe what God has been saying to them, but they haven't been able to really put it into words. And when you force them to slow down and ask them those penetrating questions, they're able to kind of crystallize them and maybe even process in real time with you what's actually going on. Well, there's a very pragmatic side to coaching as well, Peyton. And that's the fact that when, when I am overtaxed, I always think about First uh, Peter one thirteen. Uh, be sober minded, uh, sober minded, be clear minded and move forward. Uh, and uh, we, there, when there's so many things coming at us, we tend to be a little bit paralyzed because we're in a constant state of this, not that type of decisions. Uh, and then we have time management issues on top of that. But a great, a great coach could help you sort through what the most important decisions or actions you need to take and be accountable for taking them. So really, if you're investing two hours a month in a coach, I can. This is going to sound like an infomercial, but you know, I'm not. I'm not drumming up business for me because I'm not in that business. I used to be in that business. I'm not in that business. But that's funny. Say, you were in infomercial business. No, I was in the coaching sales oh, business. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, are you the guy that like you put the spigot on the milk? You know, like <laughs> no, just but, joking. But, 
offline, I'll tell you another story about that. Actually, I did <laughs> I did do an infomercial in Cincinnati, a gospel infomercial. Oh, that's, that's rad, another story. I, yeah, I so, need to see footage of that for sure. But we'll talk about that <laughs> off air. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 but, but, uh, but, what I was gonna, I was gonna give a guarantee that sounds like an infomercial, and that's that. <laughs> I believe if you invest two hours of your time with a great coach, you'll get eight to ten hours back. Wow. Because because you will you will be that much more productive just from a pragmatic perspective, just someone who's going to get out of the way, uh, give you your time, skilled and trained and intentional about leading you through a process. You're going to walk out. What we say in the coaching world is if you coach somebody and they don't walk out with an action step, then you did not coach them. You may have had a conversation and it may have been fun, but yeah. unless they don't walk out with and I would say more than one. But but the oh, the minimum is that. He's going to have one step, something he has to immediately do in order to move the ball down the court, whatever it or down the field, whatever that might mean in that in that moment. That's fantastic. You know, um, I and here's the thing: like, I know, I know you've got a long history. You've you've got a a, a long list of of guys that you have coached over the years. That if if we spoke to them, they would probably say, "I wouldn't be." in ministry if it were not for Dino Sinesi. Um literally they can they can trace back their longevity and their endurance and stamina to, you know, it was like a, a word from afar, you know, uh, uh, and it and it gave strength to my bones and kept me going and kept me in the fight. You know, it's like the guy in my corner, you know, when I'm boxing the enemy. And, you know, for just to shift gears a little bit, our our listeners here our church planners, some of you know, not all. I mean, we don't just mm-hmm. have church planners. We have senders listen to this program. We have established church pastors who want to multiply. We we have a a broad. We have, I don't know. I I know we have freaks and weirdos too. They got to be here. But the reality yeah. is, sitting listening today is someone who goes, I need that book because I want to. You know, God has gifted and burdened people for sending well. And I think your title of the book, um, Sending Well, is so apt because if you don't provide coaching for, for people that you're sending out, you are not sending well. You really are not sending well. They need assessment training and coaching. And the Send It Network decided we're going to put uh, some books together that kind of hit on these um, topics because we've done the research. We know that this makes a difference. So um, tell them a little bit, just give a quick, maybe kind of summary of the book. Um, you know, not obviously given all the answers of what, I mean, you can't unpack it in, in two minutes, but just give us a little synopsis of what you lay out in there. Yeah. Well, and the, the whole idea of sending well is, that even even in, in, in our tradition, Southern Baptist tradition, and, and, and in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm encouraged by this. And I cut my teeth in this sending, 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 going, going, going culture. Right. Uh, but but oftentimes we get so focused on the duty of sending and the duty of going. We don't we forget the fact that there's the, the way we send is as important as the mm-hmm. sending because the health of the movement and the effectiveness of the movement that God's doing through us is going to be as a result of sending well, not just sending. Uh, and so and then and then again, the duty bounces more, 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 send more, more, more. And of course, that makes sense to send more. But it goes back to how do we send more by sending well? That's how we send more, because healthy leaders. Uh, 
plant healthy churches, yep. that reach lost people with the gospel. Yep. And so it's all about the health of the movement. That's that's the idea about sending well. And we add to that on our side, uh, uh, Peyton, we say healthy coaches coach healthy planters that mm. plant healthy churches. Yeah, that's so true. And, um, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that, that I've just been meditating on in, in the life of the Apostle Paul is that he was go, go, go. You know, he'd been pent up for 12 years, and then he was like a bull out of the gates, and he wanted to go fast, and he did. On his first missionary journey, he leaves Antioch. He's been there a year. Massive explosion, goes to Cyprus, plants multiple churches on the island of Cyprus, then goes to uh, Turkey, plants along the coast, goes up into the, the hill country of Galatia. I mean, this is all on his first missionary journey, and he's going fast, but then he gets back and he realizes these are unhealthy church plants. And and you see the shift as you look at Paul's second and third missionary journey, where there's still speed and urgency, but there's this new emphasis on health. And, you know, I, 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 I think like just having this conversation, this has been something for me in the past week or two weeks that's really been a meditation of mine because I'm a, I'm the guy who loves to go fast, but it's right. I, I've also seen a, a, a lot of narratives that I would change and go back and interject myself into the story and do different things if I could. Well, and I think that the Bible contains an ethic, uh, a missionary ethic and a biblical ethic that says that the way we send is as important as the sending, because when you look at how Paul addressed uh, churches in Philippi and how he even addressed Corinth, which is, by the way, what I'm working on, how he addressed Corinth as 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 a built this immature church as a, as a builder. Uh, uh, you, you see that his his heart, it, it was he wasn't mad so much mad at, at, at Corinth as he was saying, you are God's building. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm a master builder. Uh, so the development, Paul seeing that the development of the believer was as important as the multiplication of the believer, because in the same way, that's that's where multiplication happens is out of health. Right. Uh, and so and, and Jesus, Jesus, uh, uh, John, uh, John 20, 21, as the father sent me, so send I you. He breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. so it's not just dropping people out of planes, whether they're pastors or planters or mission. So he's like, go, 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 go. But it's but it's that's how you go. So, so, so the heart of sending well is. Well, I really wanted to simplify this because as I became a coach, I I realized that it, coaching is a discipline more than it is a talent or a skill, and it is also being persistent, knowing what I'm to accomplish, and being persistent. So, I hope that what readers would find is well, this this is like really simple, right? And uh, so, I, I would hope to I would hope to turn chess into checkers. You oh, could spend nice, thousands man. and th- thousands and thousands of dollars being trained. And I have been trained by some of the best, including Bob Logan, including Keith Webb. I've been trained by some of the best. I hope to continue to be trained. But the best way to learn to coach is actually to coach. Uh, so, you and, know, what? and that I knew you were going to say that. So the book, guys, is Sending Well, and it is a field guide to coaching church planners. You can grab the book wherever fine Christian books are sold. And um, as my final question, because we're out of time. Uh, I, we ask this every podcast, the players change, the contenders switch up, but Dino Sinese, if you were to get into a physical fist fight with Bob Logan, who would win? 
I'm asking is, an Italian this. Is that is that a coaching question, or do you want me to answer it a certain way? Um, no, that I are think you, that's a coaching question. I think you have to think this one through. Are you are you, you give me time to reflect? And are you drawing out? Or are you pouring in? That's what I'm asking. I need to read your book, man. I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know how to answer that. But if you but, didn't know how I, to answer that, grab this book. <laughs> yeah, but I did. But I, but I would say that it's, it's you. You picked somebody that is so significant in my life. Coached me for many years, but, but I could get some sidebars from him if I'm lucky, and he could actually give me a little, get a little, little advice. Uh, so I'm not the competitor, maybe that you are. So Bob would probably kick my butt. So if, he's if you huge. know, if you know, he's a big dude. yeah, he is big. He's lanky. So I would like tear into him, but the reach, you know, how they say in basketball, he's got such a reach. Yeah. He would probably, yeah, he'd do the spot thing on my neck or something when I was trying to do it. Yeah. So he I would, would lose. He would, his arms are longer than your legs. Let's be honest. Let's be fair. But I think that's fair. And, and, yeah. but you have that, that like short man syndrome fighting spirit, Italian. At that, I mean, you could, you could, you could use the break out the, you know, the Dino on him. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me, let me give you this. Let me give you this. I would, there would be one a contingency. I probably couldn't beat him, but I know somebody that could. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, so, so if he won that fight, there would be a mysterious knock on his door. He'd go into a convenience store to get a soft drink or something and he would walk out with a broken leg. That's Trust right. Me. Beware the family in East Tennessee. That's all Dino saying to you. Well, I got people on the West Coast. So even for you, I got people. Yeah, I got people. Oh man, this. You know what? I might want to re-record this uh, interview now. Knowing <laughs> that, uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, hey, Dino, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thank you for what you do uh, for church planner coaches all over America, and I know there's people worldwide. Can't thank you enough for how you're pouring into this generation of, uh, coach, uh, coaches for church planners. And honestly, man, even though we work together and I consider you a friend, it's an honor still to have you on here. Well, the, the honor's mine. And just to think that the father would use me in this unbelievable unscripted way, uh, is, is, is an honor as well that I could, that I could help guys that I could walk beside them and encourage them, but train others to do, do so. Cause it's not, it's not rocket surgery. It's just yeah. having, having, having a heart and being persistent, shepherding the souls of others. Yeah. Do you know if they want to connect with you, um, where's a good, good place to track you down and find you? Well, uh, they could use my email, uh, dsenacy, at nam.net. And I'd be glad to, glad to connect. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Dino Sinesi. And okay. so any of those ways, uh, uh, I think would be great and love to help any way I could. Okay. Well, guys, this has been Hardcore Church Planning. My guest is Dino Sinesi. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.